podcast, Shepard Maniacs, y'all listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I am Dave, having some little bit of a, a thought crisis. Rupert, and with me is Chris. He's comfortable yeah. in the booth. Chris Ben there, Coyer. Uh, yeah, yeah, this should be good. We have some audience questions we'll get to, like we promised um, last week. Some really nice thoughts here, I think. But I think we like to kick off just with like what's like hot on our minds at the moment. And Dave's going to talk a little bit about spinning down some things, which is kind of a, t- a tough subject, isn't it? Well, we were talking before the show, right? And um, and so I have this thing, this little game, and it's relevant to the show because I made it for the show. We did a live show in. Pittsburgh at web, what is it? Web design day. What was Val's thing where yeah. we made t-shirts for Val? Um, uh, made a, vid, a game called global defense. It's available at globaldefense.club, And uh, that's a premium domain name, $15. We're, that's no $9 domain. <laughs> Come on, son. Oh my God. Um, so, uh, the so bought the domain name and I've been paying for it for the last four years or something like that and then to to and then I finally realized I was like wait a minute the domain just renewed right and so I just was like how much am I spending on this because I have it on Heroku because I need it on Heroku because it uses web sockets for the multiplayer thing right web sockets yeah so what you and to get web sockets on Heroku you gotta pay the whole seven dollars that's a seven dollar feature so seven dollars a month. MBD, whatever. Yep. But then, you know, seven times 12 is 84 plus 15, $99 a year. Mm. I'm spending on this side project $100. Which may a not year. get even a single request a day. You know, like there's probably not a, like a little sub cult of people playing global defense. Yeah. Or, yeah. No, no, there's not, not at all, not <laughs> whatsoever. And that's fair because I don't put that much time into it. So, um, so, so I'm just, I'm in this like, crisis because or micro crisis there's big crises going on but i'm in a micro crisis because what what do you do you know with this you know what what like i i have this going i i like the multiplayer thing i don't think anyone depends on it but is it do i just turn it off or or what and then part of my brain is like, oh, I could just remove the expensive piece, the multiplayer, and it still would work, and that would be yeah, fine. Yeah, I could link it to a GitHub account or something like, this is a game that used to exist. Here's the code. Yeah. No, I could totally do that. Still 15 bucks a year, $15. And the, the number of domains you have is a, like a little bit of technical debt for the pile. So like, is it does it feel better to you emotionally to just, just katana through this thing and just be like, goodbye? Or are you okay with a reduction in the debt? See, I'm, I maybe am, I don't know. I, I'm, so what I've started doing is I think I want to move all my little side projects to subdomains on my site because that's free. Mm, there you well, go. Well, I mean, I pay for my site, but like I like bought it for 10 years or something. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, that's free. Right. And, and I can always have global com. I could totally do that. And, and that's free. I'll put, chuck it up on Netlify. That's free. And I could even do the WebSocket stuff through like one of those WebSocket services. I forget their name right now. Um, but like, so I could have all the features there. I just have to do a little bit of code to get there. And then the domain name would not resolve anywhere. Right. So, 
I don't know. I, I'm kind of in a, a mixed feeling. I, I think I could let the domain name go away. I don't need that, but I do like the little game. I, I like I like the hey, I made this piece of satisfaction. It doesn't have to, but but this idea that it has to like live forever on a domain name. I think I'm very okay getting rid of, but that's a tough thing, right? Because isn't like your side projects? You're like, oh, it's got to have a domain name, and yeah, then I'm gonna right. I like the subdomain thing too. I did that for CSS Tricks for a couple of side projects and I would, I absolutely don't regret it and would do it. But, you know, like let's, it depends on how serious you are about the project. And I think in this case, it was like, let me demonstrate some technology, let me play around, it'll be this fun little thing. If that's the aspirations for it forever, having that at your subdomain is, I think, is cooler. I think it's like kind of like, oh, Dave made this cool thing. And it's like kind of like you're getting some credit for it anytime anybody goes there. I think that's cool. But if your aspirations for this thing was like, maybe this thing I'll take off. Maybe I'll make features for this thing. Maybe I'll make, you know, some kind of premium features that people have to do. Yeah, like you have this kind of like grow, 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 grow thing, which I think is fun too. Like I get satisfaction out of life doing that type of work. I think that's awesome. That need that can't be at a subdomain of Dave Rupert, you know? But you, how do right. you know that? Like, and, and is it possible to shift between those two modes? Like, should it have started as a subdomain? Or are you or are you comfortable with the idea that you, you bought a domain for it to begin with? Like, what was your brain process on day one? I think my day one process was like, oh, a domain name is better than my happy shark dot heroku dot com or whatever you know the, uh, the like yeah bad slug you know um and i could have done like global defense dot heroku app or whatever but um but yeah I, i'm not attached you know but i just bought the domain name because i was like whatever that'll be the easiest way to like hey go check this out or everyone log on at this url you know that was the easiest way so um but you just didn't, I, you, but it, not you, you didn't even think of it, the subdomain. That was on day one, it was kind of like, uh, it didn't even come I up. I think it was just do domain names, and but that's probably just like culture, you know, right? The, like, oh, I got an idea for a side project. Okay, I, I see where the you're domain going. Name first, well, you know, that's the new that's shop the talk troll mantra subdomains are cool. Shop talk show thinks subdomains are underused, and please use more subdomains, they're cooler than you think. Just subdomains. <laughs> Even better. I tried to say it in fifty words, and Dave gets it in three. Well, I just I just reappropriated our previous mantra, so uh, which is just build websites. Um, no, I so I I don't know. I just this is just this like small micro crisis. But I, I'm also like thinking like you know when I do this in the future, um. You know, do you do do you do in any of your projects or side projects kind of like intelligent feature flagging and stuff like that? Because if I had like feature flagged it, I could have just you know I could just turn off WebSockets and multiplayer like mm. on one feature. You know, um, that would be that would be like an if statement. So, but I could have done that, but I didn't. You know, um, mm. and so that's where I'm slightly like remorseful, but. But maybe that would just be way too much overhead for a side project. I mean, it depends. I think if you think in feature flags from day one, it's not that much debt, really. But, but then to just neuter the game by turning off a flag, just to like with the with the goal that that saves you seven dollars. I mean, that seems like a weird 
architectural choice. Well, too. I mean, it's, it's, I've spent whatever $400 on this game <laughs> over the last yeah. four years. And that sounds even worse. You know what it I mean? Does. So, uh, I mean, it's nothing compared to my gym subscription that I don't use. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it just it avoids, cause to me, I, I'm like, katana style like if i have something like this and it it has it has entered my brain that i would like to remove this debt from my life both technical and financial i can't just neuter it usually it's gotta go just gone it's like unpublished so you're you're like publish impulse and your unpublished impulse is connected yeah equally strong Holy moly. <laughs> wow. Well, I just, I don't know, because it's such a, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it like it, it contributes to, like, embarrassment, too. Like, if the thing is, like, I think if it's just sitting there on GitHub, you get points for that. That's, like, that's like anti-embarrassment points. It's, like, proof that you did something cool. Whereas if you have, like, a kind of, like, half-broken or, like, not functional thing and whatever, it's just kind of sitting there. That's, like, negative points. You know, you're like, I don't work on this, right. but I still am, like, pretending like it's a thing, you know. Like I almost think like the sunset of it is 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 like feels better, but only if the sunsetting of it, it becomes like zero, like it's just like a blog post that just sits there forever and requires no maintenance or cost ever. But yeah, but the, something that costs money like that is is kind of got to be sliced away. I went through a phase in my life like this where I had too many projects and I had to step away from them. And I remember getting pushback from people I worked on with those projects. It's like, whoa, dude, you don't need to like be this official about it. You don't have to be like, I am leaving this project. I am announcing it to you. They're like, just don't work on it then. Like, I don't care. You don't have to like, but and I was, then I had to re-explain. I was like, no, no, no. So, like, sorry that has to be like emotional like this, but like, I just need to like declare it so that, mm, so that yeah. it, it feels like done, like a, ch- a finished chapter and I can like free up that mental space. It was just like important to me to handle it that way. No, I think there's there's like value. It's so you your kind of ceremony for turning off a project, a side project, is like the goodbye blog post or like the post mortem. I mean, I, it would totally of, depend on what it what it is, but yeah, I mean, maybe let's know. say like your power of serverless or right. Um, let's say that's on the chopping block or something. I I still find it useful, but. Yeah, like that's not that's quite there, but block. it's not, it's not, it probably won't last forever. I don't know. That's a really good example, as, as, especially because this morning I spun up my CSS Tricks dev environment because I had a few little minor, uh, like a bug to fix, and I had a new thing I wanted to to build. Um, but I had a little list too. It's like, you know, those things that the, the way that you get to that site, because that's always a struggle too. Like, how do you get people to these projects too? You know, like the eternal problem yeah. of. So in the current design, as I speak right now, if you scroll all the way to the bottom of CSS tricks, there's there's almost like a footer and then a post footer and then a double, double, triple footer and the quadruple footer. You know, it's almost like, a, yes, okay, yes. that's become a little junk drawer. But but it was kind of embra- <laughs> embraced for a the little while. Decker, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the triple decker, dude. Triple decker. Because sometimes it's kind of fun, you know, like you get down there and you're like, I don't know, I'm all the way down here. I might as well explore a little bit. Like, it's not like it costs me anything. It's not like I'm paying by the square foot and my footer, you know, like go big, who cares? And then I, and then sometimes I have the exact opposite opinion. Like we had this, uh, just, just this week on CSS tricks, I, uh, I killed a whole footer section. We had this, uh, we had this bar of stuff out there and it was kind of a junk drawer. It was like, the code code Ben Radio podcast is cool, and we post. We were like, "Here's the latest three jobs on the job board," and 
Pro is cool. It just was like these modules of, of now that I look at it, I was like, they're just junk. You know, they're just, they complicated the page in a not that useful way. So I just removed that bar. And now I'm in the remove the bar mode. So at the way bottom of CS Tricks, there's two boxes. And one of them says, go to our conferences website and go to their serverless website. Well, the conferences website not a lot, not very hot in the conference space right now. Maybe once that little, world ends up, I'll spin icy. it up. Yeah. I'll just remove it. You know, I'm not going to spin down the site, but I'll remove the big link to it. And the serverless site too is, you know, what I, it's in the mode right now where it gets like a pull request a week, maybe, you know, which is still cool. It's not like it's going away, but I'll probably just kill that too. The link in the footer, it just, you know, cleans up the page a little bit. And whatever, and I'm not going to exactly spin it down. I'd spin it down when it's like when it's truly out of date. It's like no, the world has moved on from these things, and and at that day, I can't tell you right now what my what I'll do. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly, so, you know. So you don't have a standard no, procedure, not really, or because uh, I think it's available at a subdomain serverless.cssstricks or something. Yeah. Right? Maybe or a splash that. page that says, hey, this is, you know, hasn't seen attention in a long time, but click here and you can you can view the site DVD or some archive. kind of thing. Yeah. Go to the Sometimes it's different. Here's two GitHub. other little stories. Yeah, the, the GitHub it will be there forever. Because I don't think there's any cost to leaving things on GitHub except for that if it's like a sun like if this was, you know, this is a whole other conversation, which you should get to. Like the idea of sunsetting a project is on GitHub is is, is a whole interesting thing. I've got a few jQuery plugins. I'm this is very I'm very curious. Well, hasn't ha, isn't there a button you can click now on GitHub that says I don't know I don't take issues on this thing anymore, so that you just can't even yeah, leave an issue. Yeah, I think you can do that. Yeah, um, and then there's that speaks yeah, volumes. and you can even archive it like officially, you know. So. Oh right, I so don't know if, like yeah, I've seen. So that. it's just like read only at some point. See, that's good. Thank you, GitHub. Those are good features. That's an important thing. But it's still like there, like the URL still there. It's, people can still look at the code. That seems totally like a nice death for a for a project. Oh, I just you'd think like I would. Uh, I've done a lot of side projects. I would have like a standard operating procedure, but I think it's really just like atrophy on the vine. I mean, it just. Uh, death by atrophy, you know, that's sort of how I uh, unmanage projects, sadly. So, no, everybody does. That's part of the stage. It's like the stages of, it's like almost like you should leave it there for a while. Like that's, you have to go through that little stage to kind of prove it because it's kind of like a, I don't know, what what was that book with the like Zapfoid Beeblebrox and the, the Hitchhiker's Guide Uh-oh. to the Galaxy. Hitchhiker's Guide. Remember they come yeah. in like bulldoze Earth in the, or whatever. And they give it like a 30-day notice. But you had something. to like, the, the notice was posted on some other planet that humans can't even get to or whatever. But it was like, <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. <laughs> That's a good open source, like just analogy. Yeah. But it's kind of like you posted, posted it on our wiki, <laughs> our internal wiki. <laughs> Uh, awaiting comments, 30 days. But you have to see, like, what if something significant happens during that time of atrophy, you know? I don't know. I think you can't skip the atrophy. (laughs) Well, you know, and then I have all this, like, remorse for, like, URL permanence, you know? I I can hear Jeremy Keith just being mad at me. (laughs) Um, 
I, I or then like talks or something where I reference the URL, like that might be out of date or books, you know, that because everyone's writing about my little game I made, you know, everyone's doing that, you know? So I'm just all these like URLs, but I guess I could like in that atrophy phase, I could set up a 301 to my site that eventually Google will pick up on like, so all the Google juice will redirect to my site at some point, but that's a lot of work. That's a lot of, huh? This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by ACF. That's Advanced Custom Fields, advancedcustomfields.com. Nice URL nailed. It's a plugin for WordPress. You probably heard of it if you use WordPress that much. It's kind of like the quintessential WordPress plugin. Like so many sites use it because it's the thing that unlocks WordPress to me really feeling like a CMS. It's like you deciding like, okay, on this post type, I want you know, and this is how we use it on Shop Talk Show. I have the title for the show, fine, but I don't really need the description field because we're going to have all this other stuff. We're going to have like running time and the MP3 URL and the links that, you know, the uh, the links for the, or like the timestamps of the stuff that happens in the show and the transcript and the guests, but the guest is going to be a repeater field because there can be multiple guests and a sponsor and the sponsor is going to be a repeater field because it's, uh, uh, there's multiple sponsors. And then, you know, it's nested. So the sponsor has like a URL and a title and a description and the description is in Markdown and all that. You're making these decisions based on the data needs of your site, but you don't have to be a data scientist to do it. You're kind of like, this is beautiful UI. And you're like, yeah, I need this kind of field and this kind of field. It's almost like a form builder, but you're not building a form necessarily. I mean, you kind of are, I guess. It's, <laughs> that's how it turns into it. And you're, but you're designing the CMS for you. Now, fine. Now, the block editor comes along in WordPress land and they're like, it's this whole other way of building content and blocks kind of like have data too. They can have their own kind of metadata associated with them. Is it lights out for ACF? Heck no, because they answer it with ACF blocks, which work in the Gutenberg world and they unlock developing for Gutenberg or the block editor in a way that to me feels somewhat more comfortable. And I've built traditional blocks as well. The ACF blocks are just way easier to build. I'm telling you, totally easier. Uh, you just do it with kind of traditional PHP development and particularly a way that's, that feels really natural with the way that you program for ACF anyway. But now you're building these custom blocks and the way that they look and behave in the editor is really good. I'm using them in production on the CodePen site. Uh, for stuff. It's, it's really a nice approach. So high five ACF. Thanks for being a sponsor. So there's two conflicting other spin downs I've done recently. One of them was this year um, there was forums on CSS tricks, which has been a fascinating journey of like, you know, it was like PHP BB in the early days. And then I ported it to some other thing that was hot for a minute, but then went, you know, atrophied and wasn't developed on and somehow miraculously have saved the content through all these transitions, ported it over to BB press. And that was like the final nice transition for me because it, it brought it in house into the WordPress world in which I live in already. And I did that same thing with e-commerce at some point, you know, it was nice to get, get put, move things to, you know, like one, it's just one, there's like this, like, 
you know, arm stretching moment of technical freedom when you've you've gotten rid of some old technology and you've moved it, even though the stuff is still there, it's like in a familiar place that you feel like you have more control and all that. So I, I loved moving to BB Press. That was a nice move for the forums and it felt strong for a while. But it's like, in, in, you know, in, up until the day they died, uh, and by died, I mean, I, I literally turned them off. Uh, there was usage of them. So it was kind of a painful one. It wasn't zero page views or anything. It was like there's still a, a handful of people in there. But the problem to me was that nobody on our team, it was nobody on our team's responsibility in there. So it was kind of like, you know, the, you know, the parents are away forums. Nobody's watching for tone. Nobody's yelling at people being jerks. Nobody's, you know, watching for, you know, racism or whatever. Like, there's just no mm-hmm. parent to these forums, including me, which is, I, I, the the buck has to stop with me, you know? Like, that's terrible that I have this public forum on my site that really wasn't, and I would once in a while, but just not regularly. Like, I think if you have a community forum, I think at a daily, you know, scrubbing is like at the minimum that you should be doing. Oh, uh, yeah. I... Yeah, I think I I think the internet's way too laissez faire about it. You need moderators, you need shadow bans, you need yeah. like all these tools, you know. Yeah, like online community is no joke, no joke. Blocking and and stuff. And and even then even the technology of it like wasn't that exciting, you know. It was kind of like a do people care about forums anymore? Obviously usage had dropped way off, you know, because people think of Twitter in that way now or there's other technology or whatever. It just wasn't it didn't feel good to me anymore and it didn't feel good to me for lots of years. And then spam became getting worse and I was like spam is something that, that can't be ignored, you know. No, I mean, bad community stuff is even worse than spam, but there wasn't a lot of that. It was not like there was people I had to ban and like terrible behavior. It's, but but that all contributes to the signal versus noise problem, right? Right, like more noise, like spam bad. and violence are both noise, you yeah. know. And but I can control this. So fortunately, it was a thing where the spinning of it down wasn't that hard. I could kind of go in and flip a couple of switches and just say that new posts are not accepted. I changed the design of the post a little bit. I, I removed stuff like posting rules and the login thing and stuff like that, and then put a banner across the top of it that just says these forums ran for these years to these years, and I they have, they have spun down now. You know, thanks for all the fish or whatever. Tie it back to <laughs> Douglas Adams again. Uh, that was easy to do, and I can be responsible at the URL, so Jeremy Keith doesn't have to be mad at me. You know, like the technology of it is spun down, but the URLs live on. You know, so so it's still like it's just our or like non-active state. It, the, all the URLs, all the BB Press yeah. links would still right. be active. Okay, but it does mean that like, hey Chris, why don't you move to Jamstack? Mm. there's like, well, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of URLs in there. Like, I can't, I'm not going to, that's not happening, you know? It's not the only yeah. reason, but it's like, I don't, whoa, whoa. there's a million reasons, but that's one of them. Like, forums aren't a good, generally, you know? There's, I'm sure some will prove me wrong eventually, because forums can be, have data in a database, and it's not like every single page of a Jamstack site has to be pre-built, but... Um, there's not a great Jamstack solution for forums yet. You know, not really. Oh, somebody get on that. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Jam Forum. That's an example of 
of of spinning something down in a way that kind of felt okay. And I'll tell you, I feel good about the decision. I'm sorry to anybody that that didn't like that or preferred that to be their home or put a lot of effort in years over the years. Your work is still there. It just it was too much for me. We're not a big team. The value proposition in forums is very low. I don't think you can get the page views and advertising stuff right generally on forums to make money. I think forums mm-hmm. need to be in support of something else that makes money. And it, the support wasn't there. Like the business metrics of these forums were just not there. And it feels good to turn off. Here's a worse story, though. Not, not worse, but just... I don't know. Interesting. There's this thing called Spectrum, Spectrum Spectrum.chat. Have you ever seen that? It was built, this is this like spin up a community really easily kind of thing. Ultimately, GitHub got bought or GitHub bought them. And the thinking is, oh, maybe these will be, you know, maybe there'll be a Spectrum community per repo or who knows, you know. But I think just nothing happened with it after they were bought. And it was always a little janky and I feel like it's gotten jankier and GitHub's certainly not doing anything with it. So it felt like, oh, wow, that sucks, you know? And we used it at CodePen. We are compelled to, like, we would love to have more community, have a community platform, have a place for people to show off, ask questions, all that kind of stuff, in a way that we haven't been able to hit on on CodePen itself. But <laughs> it just didn't It didn't take off. It, you know, there was some action there, but not very much. And then, there, then the spam started to come. And part of the idea with Spectrum is that in their early text, they were kind of like, we'll moderate for you. You know, like, we're going to stop the spam. Uh, we're going to stop the bad behavior so that, like, we don't have to, like, you know, essentially hire an employee to be the platform manager. And zero technical debt. None at all. It's just yeah. you know, spin it up. And, and if everybody's over there, if this is the beginning of this little phenomenon, which it was for a minute and has, has died down, that maybe we'll be early adopters of this thing and be in a good spot. It did not pan out that way. And it became this daily, you know, Marie and I both would have to hop over to Spectrum pretty much every day, at least once a day, if not many times a day. And just make sure it's okay. Because this is, it's, I feel like it's CodePen brand is even more important to me than the CSS Tricks brand. Like this has to be, we have to be really careful about the community that's happening and building there. So at some point, I was like, we're spending time here and there's no value. So we got to spin it down. Right. And the way that you spin it down is you, you just turn it off and it's just gone. The whole Any URL to it, you can redirect to one URL, but all that content that people built over them is gone. Oof. Just well, instantly. I No, that's hard stuff, right? Like there's, and that's where like good and bad deprecations can happen. Not that everything has to be a good one. You know, I'm not like, don't want to require somebody to be like, think about how this is going to die one day, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't, that, that's, um, that's too bad. I, but I definitely understand like you can't, how do you like focus on this thing? And I'm having the same problem with side projects. It's like, I don't have time even to like focus on this little, you know, this little app about, you know, shooting down asteroids. I, I just don't have time for it. So, so what should I just spin it down and stop it or archive it or what? You have know, you decided? Or yeah. What? yeah. Um, I think I'm going to do the subdomain thing. I, I think in general, Dave Rupert as a brand wants to, and we we're kind of talking about that. Like what, what is the brand? What's it, what's it for your brand? And not, not like I think of Dave Rupert as a brand all the time, but um, I just like this idea of subdomains and I really want to lean into it. I really want to ex- just instead of being the, oh, Mr. I buy a domain for every bad idea I have, 
I want to just start doing subdomains. So that's my new plan forward. So decrease my my domain bill by a few hundred bucks a year. So yeah. Um Cool. Well, you'll have to let us know. I'd like to hear other people's story too about spinning down thing. There's so many ways to do it, you know, like what feels responsible, what feels doesn't, what feels good, what feels bad, and yeah, like what love, level of responsibility do you have? Yeah, I would read a blog post or even like a chart. Like, give me a chart, like the three pathways, like what you do about users, what you do about you know, uh, old content URLs, uh, you know, so the nuked option, the what did we we just just came up with like three options the like subdomain option the nuke it option the archive only option you know those would be kind of like interesting spin down paths you could explore and then like think about how that affects like users and the the community or those could be the same thing or like urls you know permanence um, stuff like that This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Netlify, you know, the hostess with the mostess. Um, this is a, a little feature of, of, of Netlify that they've had forever. In fact, I'm looking at a blog post from 2015 uh, explaining how they do this, and I love it. This is Chris Bach wrote that uh, instant cash invalidation is definitely part of Netlify's rocket juice, uh, and I couldn't agree more. So this isn't a, a feature that's fresh off the, off the rack here, uh, but it's one of the most important ones because I love it because I barely ever even think about it. If you have a site hosted on Netlify, you know, I have a whole bunch of them and you like change some CSS. You don't have to worry about what you're naming that CSS and how you link it up and how it's deployed and all that. When you deploy it in Netlify, if that file has changed, the cache is invalidated and the new CSS will be there. You don't have to worry about your own fingerprinting of it or appending a query string in your build process or anything like that. You just link to the CSS file, you change the CSS, you deploy it and it's been changed on the CDN. That's amazing because <laughs> It's so hard on every one of the other sites I work on. Not that it's hard. It's just, it's a like a chunk of technical debt that I don't relish. You know, it's not important. For example, on CSS Tricks, even in the Shop Talk shows, it's a WordPress site uh, and we're not building it headlessly. It's just kind of delivered that way. So it's not on Netlify. You know, maybe someday we'll get there. But so I have like a build process so that we can like write in SCSS, you know, or whatever. And it processes the CSS, CSS, makes a CSS file. And then when we link to it, I have to link to it with a unique query parameter uh, that like changes when the file changes so that when we deploy the when the CSS is linked up it knows that if it's a if it's a different version of that asset or not like I had to write that code to make that work it's not a ton of code but it, it's something I have to think about and maintain and make sure as part of the build process and it's just one way you know there's all kinds of different ways to deal with cache and validation of an asset it'd be JavaScript files too and images and all that but it's like BYO you know, that's a bummer to me. And I like on Netlify, you don't even think about it. You change some assets to ship it and it's, it's done for you. And they've been doing that for half a decade. Good job, Netlify. Thanks for your sponsorship. Hey, we said we'd do questions last week, so we should get into some questions. Yeah, let's do a couple of them for sure. Um, I like this one by David Fitzgibbon. Hi, guys. I was wondering how you might deal with trying to educate colleagues across teams. 
We have a back-end team and a front-end team. The back-end team calls all the shots on the API structure. Their experience is very Java-based and their knowledge and experience with the front-end is limited, pretty much stops at HTML and CSS. They see jQuery as the new hotness. Deploys are still done with FTP. While all this doesn't limit the front-end team from using our modern framework of choice, we can work with old deploy processes as well. The real issues is their understanding of how APIs are used in a modern framework. Where we hit trouble is when we want to do things dynamically. The APIs we have access to are based on templates rather than data structures. As a template changes, the data no longer matches that template. So we have to reach for other APIs to try and get any new data into a template. For example, if we want a user's name and their address, we might have to load an API based on a user being logged in to get the name and one based on billing for the address. Now imagine we want a page where the user can change their settings, their personal preferences and things like that. We now need to load maybe 10 to 20 APIs to get all that data, which is killing performance, not only because of all the requests, but because some of those APIs are returning lots of data we don't need. So with the two teams, we're kind of at a stalemate. They believe that they're doing things perfectly well because their APIs are returning very quickly or their stats show that when a request is made, the API returns fine. And that we're at fault on the front-end team because we're just using too much JavaScript, too much of this new fanciness. You tried to explain that the amount of time we have to wait for all of these APIs is part of the issue. But their belief, again, is just that we're typical developers looking to play with new technology. So my question is, how can we try and educate the backend team? How can we bring them along with us? Uh, there's, there's very little crossover between the two teams. We don't really work side by side. Um, so yeah, just wondering if you might have any tips on how we might communicate with them and maybe start to make a change. Thanks. Yeah, then this is a tough question. I mean, I know I had, I've had this experience on a Java project before. It just, you know, it's like, hey, we want to get pricing, and they're like, oh, well, you, that's a couple computers away. Like that, that's like an API call to an API call to an API call, you know. And so you're just like, okay, wow, all right, let's see um, uh, how we do this, you know. And so, um, unfortunately, yeah, like those kind of technical debt choices do pile up. Um, I, I know, you know, Java's pretty old and even the, the and not to, I, I'm not poo-pooing uh, system choices or anything, but Java tends to be pretty old. And then the, there was kind of a heyday of Java where XML would power the HTML because like, what's the difference, you know? And so there's just kind of a big tie together. It's all kind of coupled pretty hard, like the templating and the Java and stuff like that. And so, um, and sometimes you're, you know, you're like the API change. It's really just XML, like spitting out JSON. So then you like have to like hard code that JSON mm. <laughs> to spit out and stuff like that. Like there's no like JSON response object or like you'd have to like code that in. 
Um, so that's tough. I, I mean, I think the way we kind of handled it, we, we kind of figured out, you know, it was a hard process, but like you just, you kind of have to keep working on your API. If you can version the API and have like V1, V2, V5 or whatever, uh, that makes a big difference. Um, so that no one's cheese gets moved and people on the old stuff can still use the old stuff. Um, right. I I think like, unfortunately you're probably in that situation. So it does seem like, to me, it seems like there's some poking across the aisles already. Like you're saying like, Oh, they, they, they are a little behind on their knowledge. So you're poking at them, which is kind of fine and understandable, but it's like, it doesn't seem like there's like a heaping piles of empathy happening here. You know what I mean, and I'd be careful with that. It's they don't they don't sound like your friends, and you might want to like start treating them like your friends in a way to to make yeah. stuff stuff happen instead of like anonymity, um, like more I guess positivity. GraphQL. Uh, I, I see, think, it sounds like you're describing the use case for GraphQL. I assume that's the answer that you wanted here. Is that like you don't have access to the right data and stuff? And then Dave's like, "Well, maybe versions and stuff." Like all that stuff leads right to the GraphQL case. Like just get some GraphQL in front of that stuff. Have the have the data be whatever you want the data to be. And it seems like that that could be a way to go for you. In fact, I don't see any reason it wouldn't be. I don't see any particular downsides here without knowing your stack, but it seems like if you want freedom as front end and they kind of are sick of being bugged about API stuff, that this is going to solve a lot of problems for you. Well, and that could be it too. Like kind of a, you know, it would be a interface they could put on top of it. And that's like a very Java word, like an interface. Um, so you, you, you're just saying I need like another way to get data and this GraphQL stuff can kind of layer in, it can kind of be a separate thing. Uh, again, back to turning features on and off, that could be something you kind of, I don't think it has to like crush their work, I guess is what I'm saying. It'll be more work for them to implement because they, kind of control all the backend computers, but yeah, GraphQL would be a great kind of solve. I mean, this is like why Facebook made it, right? Right. It doesn't mean like, oh, we have to turn off our REST APIs. It's like, it's almost like, no, it's like this middle layer. Like your GraphQL is built from the REST APIs you've already built. It's like, it's not, it's like a new technology you're layering on, not ripping out something old and adding in something new. I have heard some stories that like, GraphQL is pretty bad for performance. Like, not to again, not to poo-poo technology choices, but like, I think the idea is it's very easy to make like an O N squared, yeah, sure, you know, query. Like, mm-hmm. where you give me all the users, and for every director, or what? Give me all the movies, and for every and all the directors, and for every director, give me their siblings, or yeah, you yeah. know, their children. But then it's like, like then it's like it's like a different problem. Like the backend people then can focus on that problem rather than mm-hmm. it's like kind of like keeping their their expertise in place. I mean, it's a good point though. But if you're saying we got to make ten to twenty API calls from the front end from the data that you want, well, if it's one GraphQL call and then it happens to spread out a little bit and it has to make 10 to 20 API calls on the back end, at least it's happening on the server. Like your super fast server is making those API calls and the front end is making one API call. So you're putting that server load network request stuff in a better place. 
Yeah. No, definitely. Because, I mean, 20 API calls, or let's do 10 because it's a round number. I mean, you're at, on 3G, that's about 400 milliseconds per <laughs> call, you know? So you've added four seconds of load time just for getting data, you know? Is that, that's, does have monetary issues. So if you could half that, that would be awesome. That's too many API calls on the front end. Too many. I don't know what the right number is, but it's three. It's three. Yeah, it's three. Yeah, it's a good number. Always three. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not one either. Like, that's not right either. Because sometimes, like, I don't know, intelligent stuff has to happen. Like, you could make one API across these, you know it's fast, and then it'll get the data, and you can render some stuff, and some of it can be deferred a little bit. It doesn't have to be one, but it can't be ten. I think it's like... I think it's like user and content would be like your two top two on most, sure, yeah. you know, like any user data. And that's often cached on, you know. Yeah. Well, that's pretty rad. Let's see if we can do a super quickie here. Uh, you know, this, yes. uh, there, none of these are quickie, so let's just do the top one. Steve Polito writes in. <laughs> I'm a sucker for hey, old Steve. tech. <laughs> it's stable, reliable, battle-worn, tested, well-documented. Specifically, I reach for Jekyll, WordPress, Rails, whatever, on any greenfield project. I always reach for Bootstrap for the front end. I feel like I can accomplish anything with these technologies. However, I'd be naive to think that these will last forever. My problem is that I don't want to reach for something new when I know I can use battle you know, tested tech that I know will work. Have you ever been dealt with trying to break away from the tech you're comfortable with in favor of something more modern? Steve, you're just, you're good. You're good. You're in a good place. You're, you're reaching for the tech. You know, you can get stuff done and kind of thinking about it and thinking about your decision-making you're that's just a healthy place to be. I think, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, can you, break away from Jekyll WordPress Rails and use Redwood JS. Oh yeah, you can. You're not going to be productive for a long little while. <laughs> I mean like because it, the the paradigm is very different. That said, like there's a lot of value in like spinning up little projects in these little languages, you know. Um You need to be able to point at something that you're going to get for doing it. Even if you're like, "Oh, this is going to suck." Like if it's like I'm going to make an app well, what should I use? I'll just I'll just make a web app. Well, what if this, you know, I can look at the audience and be like, well, would it be obviously better if I could ship an iOS app, an Android app, a Windows app, a Mac app, and all that stuff? If the answer is, oh, super obviously yes, maybe Flutter you should look at. Maybe that's the thing. Are, am I going to be productive in Flutter right away? <clears throat> no, absolutely yeah. not. But at least I can point to the benefit. Whereas if you're like, I'm going to spin up this thing that I'd use WordPress for with, with, with Redwood, that's cool. Can you point to why? If you can't, then why? You know, I think the, but that's not what's happening. People are using Redwood because they know why. They know they want to work in that world. You know? If you don't know why, then don't do it. That's, that's an excellent point. And just the thing I always come down to, if, if it doesn't make instant sense to you, it's probably not for you. It's probably, you know, it, it, it wasn't designed for you <laughs> in a way. So uh, I wouldn't do it. That said, don't be somebody who just eats McDonald's every day of your life. You know what I mean? Like get out there, try new things, try new foods. Cause it might taste good. Um, that's a Daniel Tiger saying you got to try new things. Cause it might taste good. 
And so, so use Redwood, play with React, then then leave all those and use Vue because <laughs> it's the best. Um, the, the, there's a lot of things you know out there that might you know uh, wet your whistle, if you will. They they I've been using Vue and Nuxt and having a lot of success. And I come from a very like WordPress, Rails, Jekyll. I come from that stack, and I'm loving. View and Nuxt and and mm-hmm. having a great time in that stack whenever I get to work on it and I kind of whatever put my foot in the door and say we're using this and and it works and so that's nice I would just to wrap it up with Daniel just, Tiger it could be like do you know what it is you might feel better that's that's he says you know if you can see what it is you might feel better see what it is you might feel better it's about being scared about being in the dark and then you shine your flashlight on it and see that the monster is actually just a blanket draped over your fan you feel a Ah, lot better so see man we should do a daniel tiger for web developers um (laughs) coffee table book that's my new book coming out on book apart (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely confirmed i've heard Yep, yep. So there you All right. All right. See you later. On that, we should uh, wrap it up. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your choice. Be sure to start our favorite up. Uh, That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show. Tens of tweets a month, of course. Uh, Hate your job. Hate shoptalkshow.com slash jobs. And get a brand new one because people want to hire people like you. Maybe like this company. And Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Shoptalkshow.com. If you feel so mad and you want to roar, take a deep breath and just build websites.